is a fan-off production. again welcome everyone this is Erie international episode 369 who's gonna make the joke i am andy from germany i'm dave from the uk you're not making the joke dave no <laughs> i'm being nice i assume andy means the math joke that it's multiples of three right absolutely uh, that's what we're here to talk about math hi Who are you, yeah, we got podcasting it. Here, we nailed it <laughs> everybody like that joke I, i'm david from the u.s i forgot to say that <laughs> oh, yeah because again we're talking about a european movie so why do we have do we have an american on uh i'm not sure anymore he uh... <laughs> started this thing eight years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he will leave the show before we get into Eurovision 2023. Um, so uh, he, he probably doesn't even know what we did last year with Eurovision. So. Blissfully, I have one no day, idea. David, we will. One day, we will recap 2022 for you <laughs> so that okay. you know what we did on this show last year. <laughs> <laughs> you should do. You should do a podcast that that is a weekly recap of what I missed. Um, DC well, Comics. We recap the whole year. <laughs> we recap the whole year with oh, okay. the last episode of 2022. So if you listen to that episode, you have a pretty good <laughs> view into summation year. year. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> anyway, this is episode three of Silent March, where we look uh, or take a look into silent cinema, specifically genre silent cinema movies that are at least halfway into the horror genre or whatever that was in the 1920s today we take a look at the movie hexan from sweden slash denmark one of the classics when it comes to silent horror cinema and as we learned last week dave's not a fan of scandinavian cinema so we'll see how it goes today <laughs> um <laughs> But it's, it's it's a weird one. We will talk about it later. Of course, we are on social media at EerieINT on Twitter, Erie International on Instagram and Facebook. We do have an email account and we do have emails today. International at gmail.com is the address. Send us your emails as Elio did. He sent us two emails this week. We will not read all of the content that he sent us because... Some of it relates to next week's movie, which I haven't seen yet. And I I think Dave and David haven't seen it either yet. Oh, yeah, I'm not that uh, conscientious so, yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even read that part of, of Elio's email. And then uh, he poses a question that I think um, is a good way to, to lead us out of Silent March. So let me read the first email that Elio sent this week hello boys david welcome back it's been great to hear from you again and i'm glad you seem to be doing well 
This foray into silent films has been really fun. I've watched some of them and have some comments. So first and foremost, The Phantom Carriage was really a fun movie. I enjoyed it and yes, there are definitely some Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life vibes. I agreed with you all on how shocking it was just how shocking it was just how big a piece of shit the main character was. There were some fun effects and I was so p surprised a movie from the 1920s was so dark. That leads me to Hexon, or however you spell it. So he spelled it H-A-X-O-N. Yeah, which is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have the two illustrations of how teachers approach things. In, in, yeah. <laughs> we have a carrot and the stick. Good try. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Red fucking pen. <laughs> yeah. Looks like the name of the oil company. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hacks on. Hacks off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, back to Elio. I thought this movie had some incredible visuals, but my god, did I find it boring. It sort of watched like some sort of witch-slash-devilry throughout history documentary, and while the images were so cool, I could not bring myself to focus on this movie. Some of the stuff was great, kissing the devil's butt, etc. The demons were cool, <laughs> and I really liked the opening, but my lord, by the end of the hour and 45 minutes, I was very ready for the movie to be over. We will give our opinions on the movie later on. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to talk about Smile. I had some big expectations because of the hype, but I was sadly let down. It really came off as a lamer, less carefully done It Follows. Don't get me wrong, it was cool seeing like a mainstream horror movie doing so well, but that was another movie that dragged on for me towards the end. I talked about Smile a few weeks ago when I watched it, and I believe, David, you saw Smile last year, didn't you? Mm, I think it was this year but it was before i came back on the show i'm pretty sure okay um i don't i don't i guess i didn't talk to you about it did you like it andy mm, not too much okay um i was let down I, too i liked it but my expectations were pretty low um i i didn't have that much interest in it when it came out i mean it looked fine there was a a, a moment in one of the trailers that had like a real junji ito kind of vibe when her uh, sisters walk into the car and that made me more interested. Um, so when it was on iTunes for, I think it was like five bucks, I, I bought it on there and maybe because my expectations were so low, I was pretty into it. I liked the creature stuff at the end, um, which isn't really a spoiler. There's just some, there's some extra effects, I guess, uh, at the end that are, are pretty cool, but I was also expecting it to be bad. <laughs> so I, I, I may have ended up kind of in the same place you guys were, uh, just shifted where I started. I also didn't realize that was Kevin Bacon's daughter until the movie was over. I did not know she was acting. Or maybe I did and didn't. I don't know. I didn't piece it together. She's in the um, Rick Glassman Amazon TV series that I recommended to you. I believe I recommended it to you. Oh, yeah. Um, about the, the autistic about people. autism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, exactly. cool. I didn't know she was in She's like the, 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 the caretaker for the group. So she's one of the main characters. And it's oh, great sweet. on the show. Okay. It's a great show. Nice. Was not renewed for a second season. As Great. many good shows <laughs> aren't these days, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Elio uh, poses a question in this first email. My, questions, uh, my question for you folks. What is the perfect length for a movie? Do you ever find yourself tapping out after a certain time? I feel like my attention span is shot. Best Elio. 
Dave. I think you reacted quickly when I sent that message into our group with you mm. said something like you have the perfect answer or something. So what is your answer? Uh, my answer is that it depends on a film by film basis. Yes, that's it. I'm being <laughs> non-committal. Um, no, look, I, I think that generally speaking, 90 minutes is probably like the golden time that you're looking for, like 80 to 90 minutes. Um, both Men in Black films are in the 80 minute margin and they felt like a really fun, quick romp. But there are films that need the extra time. Um, I do not include Avatar The Way of Water in that. That movie is long, egregiously so, because James Cameron couldn't be... He, he basically couldn't let go of parts of his baby. He just wanted to get it all in there. And fair enough, he's earned the right to do so. But, you know, there are other films that have come out in the last few years that have been near enough the three-hour mark, and I've sat and I've watched them... And I've not had any trouble with my attention. I, I've sat there and I've watched it intently. Um, some movies which I've watched at home because of the uh, the situation uh, of, of their release. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, the one with all the chapters and everything. Um, that was well over three hours and I had no problem with that whatsoever. But of course, I am a DC cuck, so that helps. Um but overall, I have to say, like, I I think if I was going to be committed to like one time as being kind of like the ideal time, I'd say probably around about the ninety minute mark. I, I think anything approaching two hours, unless you've uh, and above, unless you've got a film which really holds people's attention, you're going to start having the problem of of people's bottoms falling to sleep in the less than comfortable chairs in some cinema chains. And, you know, it's sometimes your film can be fantastic, but you just you, you can't get away from the fact that people's bums fall asleep and that will take <laughs> them out of a movie. And so you need to be very, very careful about runtime, depending on um, on, on your story that there's a lot of times I, I think that there are, are things that can be cut out of films to make them run a, a faster clip and uh yeah, generally speaking, I don't think I'm exactly um, shattering any conceptions here. I think 90 minutes for a long time, a lot of people seemingly have... Um, whenever I hear a, a discussion about runtime of movies, 90 minutes seems to be within that kind of golden ratio. So I, I'll go with that, with the proviso that there are movies that are well worth the extra time. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of um, on a case-by-case -case basis, I guess. So yeah, David there's there's an underwhelming take. answer for something that I said was immediately <laughs> to mind, but there we are. <laughs> no, no, I think um, I'm pretty much somewhere in there too. I think, uh, like, yeah, I like you said, it's it's obviously going to depend. I think genre can play a part for sure. Uh, there's this like um, common consensus amongst horror fans. It seems like a lot of times where. You know, someone's found this, like, great gem from the 80s, and they're like, and best of all, you know, it's 81 minutes or whatever, and everybody gets super excited. I, I think typically that's that tends to be because these movies aren't great. And so <laughs> one of the things that, you know, conventionally speaking, so when they, one of those things, usually that's not going to be that great is the pacing. So when it's shorter, there's less time for them to, to meander, and you're going to have more bang for your buck, so to speak. So I, I think ultimately the answer is always going to come down to pacing. 
Um, like you said, Dave, you know, there are very long movies. Um, Tarantino's made, you know, more than a handful, mm. uh, that I, I can sit down and watch anytime, any day and, and sink right into it. And two and a half to three hours can, can fly by. Um, but I think that's the, that's where I, there's also that other phrase I'm sure you guys have heard where it's like, um, you, you, you have 90 minutes every minute after that you have to earn, it's kind of the same way of saying the same thing. I think the, the challenge is being able to balance everything you need to balance, being able to pace it. Well, those are all very difficult things to do. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that from experience, obviously, but just purely looking at it from the perspective of how many movies are long and well-paced, <laughs> like it's not a long list, but the amount of movies that we've seen that are long and feel really long or aren't even that long and feel really long, uh, are high. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess just traditionally speaking, 90 minutes to 120 minutes would be like the average. Um, but like you said, Dave, it's, it's always going to come down to pacing, at least for me, mm -hmm. um, and, and what the movie is and what it's doing. What about you, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've said it oftentimes in the past where we said movies under 90 minutes are the better movies. And just as David pointed out, that often relates to specifically genre cinema, horror cinema, where you just want to, I don't know, have a, a quick ride and, and not a, a too long movie. But then, of course, I, I'm, I'm very sure if we would all um, list our, some of our favorite movies, a lot of them would be over 90 minutes or even closer to two yeah. hours or or more mm. um yeah of, of course it depends on the pacing and i very much believe that it also depends on where and how you see the film david said that oftentimes uh, the the chairs in cinemas aren't too comfortable but then on the other hand i believe that at home you just let yourself be distracted way more than you are at the cinema um it's so too I just cannot yeah go anywhere where you don't look uh, on your phone i i would even suggest people if you watch movies at home put your phone in a different room um just mm. focus it's, on the movie it's tough and but give i the agree movie a chance yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I watched the fablemans yesterday at the cinema that movie is two and a half hours didn't feel too long i watched babylon with three hours and ten minutes and i i i was very very i don't know weary uh or wary <laughs> if if that movie was too long it wasn't for me so um if i had seen it at home it may have been a different thing i don't know what i found very yeah. interesting was when dave said both men in black movies are in the 80 movie <laughs> range where there's four movies <laughs> yeah, in the men in I, black series i realized after me, the fact <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just list you the the progression of length for the men in black series so the first one uh, an hour 38. What? The second one? No. Wow, hour... that's shorter than I thought. That's not... That can't be including... That's mu that that's... must be including credits. It's always including credits. Of course yeah, it's it including is. credits, but still, very long credits. They, I, I, I definitely remember Men in Black being like 80-something minutes. Okay, never mind. I'm run. wrong, obviously. Me Mandela effect in full. <laughs> second movie, an hour 28. Third wow. movie... An hour 46. <laughs> Fourth movie, 
an hour of 54. <laughs> so that's 2019. Marvel is in full effect in yeah. every movie. Even genre yep. movies are at least two hours long. Netflix movies, always two hours or more. So, I don't know. For the past 10 years, it feels like it, at least like big cinema and genre cinema only got longer and longer and longer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, uh, maybe that's why we long for the days of the ninety-minute movie so much. Because <laughs> every time yeah. Netflix releases a new movie, and I look at the runtime, and it's again two hours and ten minutes, I think to myself, I'm pretty sure this movie is not worth spending two <laughs> hours with. Yeah. I was laughing at the Men in Black thing because you said it so matter-of-factly, like. You know, Pi is 3.14, middle C on a keyboard is, is right in the middle, <laughs> and then the measure, the standard by which we measure time in cinema is based <laughs> off of Men in Black 1 and 2, yeah. the average times of both. <laughs> you just said it like, you did. Yeah. You just went so casually into it. I was, I like, was okay, so Black certain, and so certain <laughs> that first movie was in the 80-minute mark. Maybe it's because the first and second movies are basically the same film. Uh, you know, down to I think the I've only seen the second one once. I, I watched the first one all the time when I was a kid. I love that movie. Same goddamn endings, but still really fun movies. Um, let's yeah, take a let's I forgot there were four. a quick experiment. <laughs> quick experiment. <laughs> okay, David. David, name a movie that you think is pretty perfect. It's pretty perfect. Yeah. Um. Why is my mind going completely blank? Uh, yeah. uh, okay, I'll just say Drive. This is this is the the my my quote unquote favorite movie, Drive. Okay, hour and forty minutes, Dave. I mean, the guest clearly. <sighs> hour forty five. Hour hour forty minutes. <laughs> 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 I went with Back to oh, the no. Future. Hour and fifty. Hour and fifty six. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Uh, so when I said ninety minutes, minutes well, clearly I meant two hours. A hundred minutes is pretty close. <laughs> so to be fair, ninety minutes to two hours is a pretty decent yeah. kind of like range. Well, Back to the Future, I think, is a, a, a well, you said a perfect. So I mean, I agree, but perfect pacing too. That's like the ultimate. Yeah. It's on TV. It doesn't matter when you show up. You're watching that movie. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's so yeah. well well paced and structured. Raiders of the Lost Ark, an hour and fifty five. So, I mean, Spielberg movies up. are usually around the two-hour mark, I think. Yeah. I need to look up yeah. clerks now. Cause... I want to talk to you about the Fablemans, and I'm making myself not ask you right now because uh, it's not horror. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll text you after the show. <laughs> sure. Ah, so um, I, I win. I ween. Tyler weans. Uh, clerks, 92 minutes. I mean, there you clerks. Go. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have money to make a longer movie. That doesn't um, matter. It's that... still a perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm. I'm. I, we, we can. We can do this all day. Yeah, Let me of look course. On. <laughs> We're all card carrying um, Kevin Smith uh, appreciators here. So, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs, hour thirty nine. Oh, yeah, hundred uh, minutes seems to be <laughs> consensus. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back. Uh, let me read uh, a bits of. Elio's second email, we don't have to uh, postpone all of it to next week, but then skip the rest. So anyway, um, hey guys, sorry I emailed twice in one week. I wanted to update you on some more stuff I watched. My girlfriend got me this cool poster of like a hundred influential horror movies through the ages. Every time you watch a movie, you scratch off the title and it reveals a picture. It's really fun and has gotten me to watch some good movies. The tail end of this week, I've watched Frankenstein from 1931 and Freaks from 1932. I also watched A Page of Madness, but that was unrelated to my poster. 
That's the movie we're doing next week. Frankenstein was good. I teach the book to my 12th grade class, and it's very different from the book. I think there's still some great stuff in it, and Boris Karloff is just awesome. I loved the ending. I believe you guys talked about Frankenstein, or did you only do Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein in 2019? No, we did Frankenstein for sure. We did, yeah. We did I remember both. Yeah. talking mm-hmm. about him yeeting a small child into a pond. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah and there's also a big early on. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched that at midnight on Halloween one year. It was really fun. Yeah, uh, um, okay. yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to read the rest of uh, Elio's email. I absolutely loved Freaks. This was such an unsettling and fun movie. The ending left me so shocked and had some great shock horror. I could not believe something like this came out in the 30s. And the rest of the emails about the Page of Madness and Silent Simmer. So we will read that next week. Elio, thanks for your emails. David, what was it you wanted to say? Um, I don't remember now because my heart's racing because I was trying to pull up Haxon on Letterbox and an ad played, and that's what that noise was right into my mic. Uh, I don't remember. I, I think it was something about Frankenstein. I, I think it was uh, um, one of the things we talked. I remembered that we did the first one because we talked a lot about the the growth in Frankenstein's actual character and acting in the second one with the scene mm. um, uh, with the guy and the yeah. Anyway. This was a while ago that you talked about this, so it's not relevant anymore. Also the, also, the runtime for Frankenstein, 70 minutes. So I'm going to keep doing this now, guys. I apologize. The 30s. <laughs> the 30s, the yeah, golden the era of movies. The golden era of movies. And to bring in two cameras better. if you wanted to go that longer yeah. than that. To be fair, they could have spent 20 minutes doing an actual ending to a lot of these movies, and it would have been fine. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some stuff that we did this week or that happened this week, if we have any. Um, Dave already mentioned the guest, which leads me to mentioning that Lance Reddick, the actor, passed away. And, of course, every article lists his work in The Wire and Fringe and uh, the John Wick movies and um, the Destiny games and uh, the Horizon games. (laughs) But... Here at Erie International, uh, we always list the guest as probably our favorite movie that we've ever talked about. We one of the few movies that we did two episodes on, uh, and he had a supporting role in in that one. So, yeah, Lance Reddick, uh, one of the one of the great um, supporting actors. We talked about supporting actors recently when Tom Sizemore passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Reddick probably a better actor than Tom Sizemore. Um, but still, he—I uh, I don't remember how, how David phrased it, but uh, yeah, when Lance Reddick showed up in in anything, he definitely made the screen more interesting. Yeah, I've had a surprisingly tough time with this. I usually with actors' deaths and, and directors and stuff like that. You know, there's there's that general sort of like you know, oh, that's that sucks, or you know, had this sense of loss just from a, you know a human perspective. Um, and I'm not going to claim that I feel anything more than that because I didn't know Lance Reddick, but I think just, I, I think it was more than anything, something that I, I didn't realize how much I loved his work, uh, until I realized that we aren't going to get any more of it, uh, mm-hmm. sadly. And, you know, we, the three of us were talking about it, Austin and, uh, <laughs> my friend from Idiot's Energy that I bring up all the time now, I guess, uh, we were talking about it as well. And no matter what it was, um comedy or or genre stuff or crime he was 
just so good and so funny. And you, Andy, you mentioned the Destiny thing. I've been playing Destiny since the beginning, and um, he was a huge Destiny fan. There's been all these tributes within the game to him that's been pretty cool. Uh, even his his widow released a statement. She specifically called out, you know, the Destiny players. He was a huge Destiny fan, and he played the game and voiced a major role or a major NPC kind of role in it. Um, he was also in Godzilla vs. Kong for about 20 seconds. Um, <laughs> another eerie movie to shout out. But that you mentioned him on The Guest. I think his scene in The Guest is a pretty great example of like a, a great little microcosm of what he did. Like from what I remember, and it's been a while now since I've watched The Guest. It was something you know on the show, I'm sure. Um, but from what I remember, that is that the only scene that you see that agency in the movie, or do they cut back more than once? Oh God, it's been a while. I can't remember. I, I, I don't mean, remember he, there being. He a is lot in of the more than there. that one scene, um, right? But there's the. But, I guess the you get. I guess my point is you get a glimpse of this other agency, but primarily yeah. you're spending time with David and the family, and yeah. having Lance Reddick be the guy <laughs> at the agency lends so much more credibility and weight to it instantly. Uh, just based off of the tenor of his voice, he had this like amazingly rich, deep voice. Like he had such a sense of authority and, in, in all of his roles, if you've seen even just the first season of the wire, like his, his presence in that basement office that they have is, is just overpowering and in a, in a cool way. Um, and the guest, I think is just a great example of that. It's like, if, if you needed some kind of authenticity to your role right away like lance reddick can do it <laughs> like i think that's another reason yeah. he was in a lot of video games that that voice carried so much um weight and presence and authority and mm -hmm. his character on destiny is like the kind of main positive leading force of you know the the guardians the group that you're a part of yeah. so yeah this was a bummer great great actor i think and uh i think yeah. that is this is one of the the big strengths of the John Wick movies that they cast yeah. in, in every minor role, they really cast heavy hitters and Lance Reddick yeah. was one of those. It's, it's a pretty minor role, but he's in every movie and he brings a gravitas to that role that you always look forward to uh, John Wick and, and Lance Reddick's character meeting in a yeah. new John Wick movie, which new one comes out this week. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the, the manager of the continental was always like the, he was kind of like a, an anchoring point for that universe and uh, a character that could always be relied on. And like, I don't know, like him looking after John's dog was just like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, another <laughs> another great example of like authority, but then also like there's a playfulness and a funniness to him in those movies. Yeah. In, in the, like he has kind of like a wry sort of knowing kind of wit to him that you really like instantly. Mm. Uh, I remember being, I've only seen the third movie once. I'm going to try to rewatch them this week before the new one. But I remember in the third one, uh, he plays a more central role in one like gunfight with, with John Wick. And I remember being so excited when that happened because it was, you know, oh, we get to see more of, uh, is it Karen, Karan? I forget how you say his name now, but mm -hmm. the, the River Sticks guy <laughs> is his name mm -hmm. in the movie. But being, having him more in the movie was just so fun. Like he's, he always added to whatever it was, um, yeah, just really sad. He was young, too. It said natural causes, I think, but he was how old? Like 50, 60? 60. 60. 60. He was yeah. pretty young. And we've had uh, a spate. Obviously, people always say, oh, you know, celebrity deaths, they come in freeze and all that malarkey. And like there, there is some kind of truth to that. But what's been really 
um, upsetting about a lot of the more recent ones is you look at the ages of them and you're talking about people in their 60s. You know, yeah. um, Tom Sizemore was in his 50s, I think. Or was he in his 60s as Tom- well? <laughs> I'm not shitting on Tom Sizemore's memory. You heard me how much how much I loved him last week. <laughs> Tom Sizemore's made a little more sense. <laughs> that man was been I mean, fueled yeah. by no, I, I drugs yeah, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. But still... You but know, to your point, Lance Reddick was in great shape. <laughs> like, yeah. he was... He was ripped, like he was an, an active, seemingly healthy guy. Yeah. So seeing natural causes be the thing was like, oh man, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's just it, it's it, it's always upsetting to. I mean, again, like you said, like we didn't know these people personally, but when you hear about someone dying and knowing that they're not going to get any more work from them, and then on top of that, you think about how old they were, and you think to yourself, Jesus Christ, like you know, potentially they had another twenty, thirty years in front of them and then one day it was just like that was it it was done um it's just uh you know you you think about their friends and family and how they must be feeling and the the absolute shock that they must be going through and it's um it's very saddening indeed so yeah and i've got a lot of catching up to do more new work but yeah i was getting ready to say but also cool that we have so much great work from him and yeah uh i had i never finished fringe i watched the first two or three seasons but another fantastic role he was great on that and was in almost every episode Mm. so good stuff um i can go i don't really have anything so this will be fast (laughs) (laughs) uh i i didn't watch really much of anything i had daniel this week um he and his mom are actually on a plane to um vacation right now to cancun (laughs) Mm. so uh this week i was just if I in between working, I was spending as much time as I could with him, and right now, right now, that means usually uh, board games and video games are like the things that he's into the most. Um, so didn't get into much by way of horror. Uh, I did want to shout out really quick, just in case we have any listeners who are fans of sci-fi. Um, that I mentioned a while back, I I got back into reading in terms of just books. It had been hard for me for a long time to uh, um, kind of sink into a book. Um, and uh, this sci-fi book is called Shards of Earth by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Um, if you're a sci-fi fan, I'm sure you've heard of him. He's a very, very popular um, contemporary sci-fi writer right now. Um, it's very ambitious, space opera-y kind of sci-fi. So if if you're down, kind of jump into a universe that's that dense and populated with stuff, it's really great. Um, but if you want something more light... Probably maybe a little bit too heavy for of a book, but Shards of Earth, it's really great. I'm, I'm loving it so far and it's pulled me out of a, a reading slump I had been in for a long time. So just wanted to throw it out there in case we've got some crossover listeners uh, or fans, I guess, of, uh, of the sci-fi genre. That's it for me. I don't really have anything else. Um, let's throw it to Dave. Uh, nothing horror related, but as is normally the case, I would like to very quickly talk about what we were reviewing on, uh, Generation Animation this week. Um, and for good reason, because I think, David, you're probably aware of this property, but up until I started watching it, I had absolutely no idea what was going on with this thing, except for the fact that I'd seen like a random page of the comic book, 
uh, on Facebook, as you often do uh, on Facebook these days. It seems like I'm constantly seeing random pages of comic books left, right and centre. I don't know why. They're unsolicited, but I'm not complaining about it because I actually quite enjoy <laughs> seeing this stuff. Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which oh, is... Yeah. yeah, it's on uh, Disney Plus in the UK. It's a Disney Channel uh, TV show, which is currently airing, and it's just been renewed for a second season. Uh, but this show is just so much fun, like genuinely just absolute laughs for days. Uh, the voice acting, the the people that they got in to do the voice acting for the main characters are really on point. The character design is like, it's, it's not really like anything that I've seen, certainly out of Disney, but really um, out of any kind of animated property. It's got a look that is uniquely its own. Um there's a character called Casey who's kind of like the um, the, the best friend and confidant of, of Moon Girl, who's a, actually a girl called uh, Lunella Lafayette, um, a girl whose family owned a skate rink in the Lower East Side of New York. Uh, of course, New York. It's Marvel. Let's let's be honest. It's all New York in Marvel, isn't it? Um, unless you're talking about West Coast Avengers, I suppose. But anyway, going back to it, um, Casey is like a Bratz doll in human form. And I'm not a big fan of Bratz. I was never a big fan of Bratz. I wasn't really their their market. Um, but I don't know. Her character design is so much fun. And just the way that she's introduced, you think to yourself, oh, God, it's one of these social media obsessed kids that's, you know, posting videos to probably like eight people. And she's full of herself and self-important. And then you actually meet her for, properly for the first time. And it's like oh, you're a really nice person. Uh, and that's something that runs through this series, at least the first five episodes that I've been able to access because there's less on the UK version of Disney Plus than there is on the uh, on the US version. I believe they're up to like episode nine in the US, maybe episode 11, I'm not sure. Um, but certainly over here, we've only got the first five. And it's just really fun, genuinely. like It's so funny. It's It's really well written. It's very warmly written. Devil Dinosaur is a character that I'm dimly aware of because of aforementioned um, Facebook uh, random pages of, of comic books being put up on Facebook. Uh, but I wasn't aware of Moon Girl at all. Um, and apparently she's a more recent addition and she's been paired up with Devil Dinosaur. But yeah, the whole concept of this show is just brilliant and really, really warm and fun. And it's perfect for kids, but also like adults are going to be able to enjoy it a lot as well because it's got that really intelligent humor where like the kids will laugh at it and the grown-ups will find something fun about it as well there's no re there's really no such thing as animation just for kids anymore I, I think even if you look at something like bluey there's stuff in there that is purely for the adults and i appreciate yeah, it so good oh, it is so so good we're, we're big fans <laughs> of bluey on it on uh, generation animation as is the rest so of good. the world apparently um but yeah like shows like bluey are kind of leading the way um down the the road that shrek kind of started or at least made more publicly aware of the fact that animation isn't just a kids thing it can also be for uh, for the adults as well ah oh, there's the doorbell wonderful well that's everything that i've watched this week uh, andy how about yourself <laughs> well uh lens reddick was the one thing on my list so didn't do uh, I just wanted to throw out there, and Dave's not going to get this fun uh, fun piece of trivia, but do you know who created Devil Dinosaur, Andy? 
after Oddway? <laughs> that's a good guess, but no, uh, that's one of the things I've always found funny in a in an entertaining way about Devil Dinosaur because he's used now as in this cartoon and in these new comics, and uh, but he is a Jack Kirby creation, <laughs> solely sole Jack right. Kirby credit. Um, and when you go so back Rod and look Wade at some didn't of the, do any Marvel work, did he? Uh, no, he did. Guy. No, no, he did. Yeah. He created. Yeah, he created. Um, well, he did the Spider-Man uh, stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the the spider him. robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. The Spider Verse. Um, should we pause or should we go into Haxon? Oh, I think Dave will be right back, and he can edit this if he want, if he want, if he wants, or yeah. This is some realism in. injected uh, into the it's show. It's his thing. I haven't listened to an episode in years at this point, probably. Well, I, I do listen to the episodes that I'm not on, which has been a while since that's been the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, whatever Dave does with the editing, uh, I am not privy to, it's, except for It's probably just been at episodes some point. of BS cast on our feed <laughs> <laughs> as eerie, <laughs> labeled as eerie. <laughs> <laughs> I know at some point he edited in like waiting music when he had to go answer the door, and it was just the two of us. So there, I, I, I didn't just talk to myself <laughs> in, in those uh, on those occasions, and, and then he edited in some like like elevator music or, or something. And then yeah. I think he did a he did a, a quiz once where he edited in uh, a horror movie score and asked people to to write in which music that was. No one ever wrote. Oh, that's in, cool. So. <laughs> Not sure if he's still doing that. that sucks. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh, but it was just the way you said it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, when you guys, um, when I took a break, I took a break. So I, ha I think I maybe listened to one episode somewhere in there just because I missed you guys, and I was like, I just want to, I just want to hear their voices for a little bit. Uh, but other than that, uh, I have no idea what you guys did on the show. So yeah. I, I really want to want to tell you because I think we did some very cool stuff, at least cool to us, <laughs> like like Eerie yeah. Vision, for example. It was a very fun series to us. Uh, we have no idea if anyone listened except for Bela, who at one point said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's over." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he didn't phrase it exactly like that. I think he liked the uh, uh, some of the movies that we talked about in that series, but he didn't really appreciate the the Eurovision Wait, so, connection to that whole series. So, what was the hook? Was it like host country movies? the The hook was that leading up to the weekend of Eurovision last year, we did several episodes where we talked about. Each week we talked about a European horror movie from a different country. So we changed countries from okay. week to week. And then we also, on that episode, gave like Eurovision facts about, uh, for example, if it was like an Italian movie from 1983, we talked about how, did, how Italy did throughout the history of Eurovision and what Eurovision 1983 was all about, who won, who oh, lost, nice. where did it take place and stuff like that. So it was always facts about... Eurovision, the year of the movie, and Eurovision, the country of the movie. Spoilers, nice. Italy never did very well, I don't think, <laughs> from memory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dave is back, which means we can get into our movie of the week. 
which is unless David wants to say anything about uh, the oh sure before I do <laughs> just the description Haxon uh, proof that in back in the 1920s people still like to eat ass that's the one I came up with this week uh, a lot of a lot of butt licking in this movie talk of it and then on screen just uh, people putting faces into asses specifically satanic ones Andy. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> this is what Wikipedia has to say about the movie. <laughs> that was Wikipedia, actually, what I just read. Yeah. <laughs> Hexon, Swedish for the ass lickers. <laughs> no, not, not actually. <clears throat> uh, it's Swedish for the witch. Um, released in the US in 1968 as Witchcraft Through the Ages is a 1922 silent horror essay film written and directed by Benjamin Christensen, who is actually from Denmark. Consisting partly of documentary-style storytelling as well as dramatized narrative sequences, the film charts the historical roots and superstitions surrounding witchcraft beginning in the Middle Ages through the 20th century, based partly on Christensen's own study of the Malleus Maleficarum, a 15th century German guide for inquisitors, because that's what we do in Germany. We <laughs> hunt people. You inquisit. Uh, <laughs> we inquire people. Uh, Hexan proposes that such witch, hunts, uh, such witch hunts may have stemmed from misunderstandings of mental or neurological disorders triggering mass hysteria. So we announced this as a Swedish movie, which I, I guess that's what it's usually credited as because it's kind of true, the, yeah. <laughs> the the, the, the per, per, like the the country where the money came from. The writer director yeah. was from Denmark, and I believe it was mostly, if not entirely, shot in Denmark. But production wise, I guess it's a Swedish movie. So this is one, as uh, we've stated before, this is one of those movies that whenever you look into the history of horror cinema and you get to the silent movie era, this is one that always comes up, like next to um, Germany's Nosferatu. And now I've, I've, I've maneuvered myself into a corner because I'm not entirely sure where, where a vampire is from, called Theodor Dreyer's Vampire, I believe also Scandinavian. Um, I think so. I, I was on his page literally earlier this morning because of, of Vampire, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, a movie that I haven't seen yet. So, anyway, Hexon, um, The Witch, the a, a a a structure that I wasn't really aware of before looking into the movie more for this series. So I was very curious how the movie would actually present itself how it would play out the documentary style and the narrative sequences uh, again a movie that is um in in the has, has several chapters similar to last week's the phantom carriage but then it's a totally different movie than the phantom carriage and of course we all remember how that went for dave last week so we of course are curious is this <laughs> a one two knockout from Dave against Scandinavian cinema, or did Scandinavian cinema uh, win this round? And we have to go into a third one to make a decision how this match plays out. So, Dave, tell us <laughs> what's your take on Hexan? I'll tell you what, there ain't no dead robbers left over. Um, this is uh, th this is a good movie. <laughs> this is a good movie. I enjoyed this. I um. 
I, I was a little bit hesitant because of what we'd said last week and, and my reaction to the Phantom Carriage. But I, uh, I, I really enjoyed the way that this was um, put together. Uh, the fact that it felt more like a documentary. Uh, you could see where their, their, their thought process of, of how they were putting this together. Um, I enjoyed the fact that the first chapter of the movie was essentially uh, moving pictures of uh, pictures. <laughs> so Yeah, it's not a really... fucking slideshow. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it might as well have been a, a slideshow. Um <laughs> Um, but then it did move into like a dramatization of the events. Um, again, it's a very good looking movie, which is something which it has in common, in uh, common with the Phantom Carriage. Uh, both of them are, are very nice looking movies. I see a lot of what I assume to be innovation in this film. Uh, this is the first silent movie where I have seen the camera move when they're demonstrating the uh, torture devices, the, the rack in particular. Uh, the camera actually moves left and right, up and down to show you the workings of, of the rack. Um, there's a brilliant scene where one of the characters is being whipped. Um, basically, this movie uh, inspired a lot of other movies. You, you've got The Devils, which it inspired. You've got, um, I suppose technically it, it, it didn't inspire the movie, probably the book. But uh, the Da Vinci Code, I think, you know, the the flagellation of the of the the priest. Um, but yeah, the the scene where the priest is being whipped by the abbot or whoever he is, and the camera fades into a close up of his face while maintaining the uh, the wide image of him being whipped, and then it fades back out again to just the image of him being whipped. Um, not something that I've seen in movies earlier than this one. So again, like I, I like the fact that yeah, this is a documentary. It's a video essay. It's whatever you want to call it, but it is innovative in ways that I haven't seen from earlier movies. Um, and admittedly, I've not seen many earlier movies than this one. So, you know, <laughs> pinch of salt with what I say here. But I like it. I I think it's really well done. It held my attention. Um, it shows its age because, ironically, a movie which is looking back in time and criticizing the way that people treated mental issues in the 17, 1800s and, and further ago, I'm now looking back on this movie criticizing it for the way that it diagnoses and, and, um, and talks about mental issues in the 1920s. So it's, um, it's, it's not aged well in all aspects. But it's a movie that I really appreciate for what they were going for and uh, and what they've achieved uh, in, in the cinematic sense as well. David. Um. <laughs> oh, role reversal. Um. Well, it's just tough, man. Like I. <laughs> It's hard to even, I don't want to say it's hard to call it a movie. It's a movie, but it's, it's just such a specific thing. Um, and what they're doing that I, I can't criticize it or fault it for that. Um, but those are the reasons why it made it at times very difficult for me to stay focused. Uh, because it was just, I don't know. It's weird. Like you're, you're, it's a documentary that I think I'm guessing for its time probably was pretty progressive. It felt more progressive than I expected. Mm. Um, 
and but it's a hundred years old. So you're you're talking about like you're not gaining any knowledge here, more than likely, <laughs> unless you don't know anything about any of this stuff in any situation whatsoever, context, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a thing where it's it becomes almost more like in my head like a document. Uh, this is all still positive. Like this isn't negative, but it's hard for me to talk about it from the perspective of like, did I like it as a movie? Like, I don't know how to give this stars. Like, I don't know how to, how to critique it. I mean, I can talk about it in pieces. So like the, the, the horror aspect of it totally with you, Dave, like looked great. Um, I'm always, you know, down for the silent film aesthetic, you know, even though it wasn't an aesthetic, but just, you know, the, the vibe they were able to pull off back then uh, with a lot of this stuff. Um, as soon as I booted up the the Blu-ray, the Criterion disc, it started showing all this imagery in the menu, and I got really excited because all that stuff looked awesome. Um, there's the you know the one shot of the the monk at like the illuminated kind of like book he's at, and then the devil coming down above him with the hand. Like so many cool, really cool pieces of imagery. Hmm. Um, but the the tone of the movie is obviously document a documentary but then also even more than that it feels like it's it's a lecture like it it feels like it's being delivered from the director to the audience and so in some ways that that made it feel less like like to use the word cinema to me and more like academia in a way like i i can see how this was taken later in the 60s in america and <clears throat> was like, you know, witchcraft through the ages and, and was using aspects of this because there's not, I, I didn't feel like this movie was uh, like a uh, reefer madness type thing by any means where it's trying to scare people. But you can see that there is a somewhat of an element of that, that there's, there's imagery in this that is, you know, pretty shocking. I'm sure for its time, whether it's nudity or, or, you know, the, even though they don't show any of the, um, the actual torture devices being used like when they show you how they're being used like that's squeamish like that stuff i'm sure you know wouldn't have passed code or whatever like in (laughs) in in america um i have no idea if that's a relative reference i don't know film history at all they they Um, do use the thumb screws on the actress do they yeah yeah there's there's a section where the director says um one of the actresses that we worked with insisted that we uh, that she try the thumb screws out. That's and, right. Never yeah. mind. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it's. I would never willingly watch this again as a movie, if that makes sense. Like I would, I wouldn't be like, I want to watch Haxon again. Let's sit down and watch Haxon. Hmm. I would put it on at a Halloween party. Like it's very at like the imagery is is great. It's very atmospheric, but it's just. It's so clinical, clinical and kind of cold in terms of like how, how it's delivered that even though the imagery is all great, I didn't, the score didn't do a ton for me. Uh, obviously, the, I think everyone's print has the same one that they used. It sounds like from like the 60s. Um, I think it was Copenhagen that they uh, recorded that. But um, the imagery, top notch. I think all, you know, a lot of that stuff looked looked fantastic and I was really into um but yeah, the rest of it just kind of felt like a, like a, a lecture, and, and not in a negative way, but in a, in a very sort of literal academic, like here's this this lecture I've prepared about witchcraft through the ages, mm-hmm. uh, and and now I'm going to relay it. 
So I, yeah, I had a tough time with it in the sense of, um, now all that being said, I think all that stuff is, is, is landmark, you know, pioneering, like you're talking about all of the stuff that for the time would not have been, um, it would, it would have been so ahead of its time in multiple ways. So I don't really have anything negative or critical to say about it. I would never, you know, but it doesn't have something like Phantom Carriage did or, or, or to use the other one that I loved Caligari, where there's, you know, something that unexpectedly pulls me in past this 100 year gap of film techniques and everything else. Um, instead, it's more just like, hey, here are these really cool things that we made at the time. And then here's a lot of information about, you know, witchcraft and hysteria and mental illness that you not only know about, but probably know a lot more about now, 100 years later than we did back then. But again, not, uh, yet another thing that's not the movie's fault. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I You can see how poorly I have um, conveying this because that's kind of how my brain is in relation to the movie. Because hmm. uh, it, it, it's just so... Sp- I've never seen a movie exactly like this. So I think that's part of it too. I think what, that's what did you I... think, Andy? Or yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, yeah, just before Andy uh, jumps in. I, I think that's why I enjoyed it as much as I did because it felt very much unlike anything that I'd really seen before certainly coming from that time when the whole idea of like a like a video lecture or a cinematic lecture was a a brand new concept you know we we didn't have documentaries at this point we didn't have educational programming at this point and so the fact that this lecture had been committed to the white screen as he calls it in in this movie which i found really charming (laughs) they hadn't called it the silver screen yet i guess they weren't in the silver age yet um but you know that i i found all of that to be really interesting and engaging and i i'm the same as you like i'm not going to turn around and say let's watch haxan at any point in the future because i've seen it now it's a one and done experience for me it's like uh if you watch a football match, like you're not going to rewatch it unless you're <laughs> right. you're some kind of absolute fanatic. Um, but you know, it's it's something that I'm still very glad that I watched that one time. Um, yeah, totally. Me too. And and to your point with that, before Andy goes, the mm-hmm. the um, even like the I think it is immersive in that in that relationship he's having with the audience, <clears throat> uh, mm. especially toward the end where he's like. The actress in the scene told me she saw the devil by her bed at night. Like he kind of breaks what he's doing to tell this story about this actress in the scene. And then suddenly it's a, you know, I I guess meta, not really, but I mean, he's, he's playing with the documentary format. That's all stuff that I thought was really cool and had, I'm assuming had to have been ahead of its time. Mm. Um, But it just so further broke it being a movie that I was constantly having to be like, I don't even know how to think about this uh, and what's happening. But okay, mm. sorry, I'll shut up. On Andy, I know you haven't gone yet. What was definitely ahead of its time was the vertical images in the beginning, in the first chapter of the movie. It looked like an yeah. iPhone <laughs> video. Yeah, <laughs> I can think of a few um, a few uh, directors that were yeah. doing their conkers watching this back in the day. <laughs> I'm very happy that Dave liked this movie um, because after last week I was worried that this whole series would go <laughs> down. Oh, I was sure the... Dave was going to Dave... hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm a weirdo. Next week I'm going to love it regardless of what I actually think. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, next I'm week it's Japanese. It of course we'll love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with 
David on this one. I think this is a very Ooh. interesting artifact for cinema history, and I enjoyed the the imagery that I mean the costumes, the masks, the miniatures, the the special effects um, were, were fantastic. But then it didn't really have a a narrative, and that's why I was so surprised because last week Dave said I'm used to the way Americans tell movies and that's why i didn't really get into the phantom carriage and to me the phantom carriage was was a gripping movie and and hexen is not <laughs> I, I, I like that david called it a lecture because yeah i think that that's that's basically it you, you can you can watch this in in chapters and you don't have to sit through it um, in in one go because it doesn't really have that kind of narrative through it and i th i found it interesting and and the, the conclusion to the movie was interesting because uh, that's something that i didn't is expect that it that christensen takes yeah. a look at the situation in his time in the 1920s and and and, and like draws a line from yeah. this is how we used to treat people especially women who showed signs of whatever and and we we burned them and now we're doing this to them and and i think we we have to talk about uh that dave already um, alluded to to yeah that 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 ending of the movie, but yeah, I I I I still feel like I felt like the Phantom Carriage was more innovative when it came to the 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 techniques that it um, applied to the to the storytelling and it had a story to tell, and here it seems like and 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 that's I mean it doesn't seem like we we can read about it that Benjamin Christensen was interested in um in the, the the history of of witch hunts and wanted to like educate people on it it seems like so he he made this movie yeah. and of course something that we haven't mentioned yet um the, this movie is, is was restored at some point to its length of a, about an hour and 45 minutes before that there was a version of an hour 16 or 15 16 so half an hour shorter um coming back to our discussion from the beginning of this episode about what's the perfect length for a movie um and and elio told us that he had a hard time focusing on this movie and and was happy when it was done and i i wasn't totally focused for an hour and 45 minutes i mean i did not look at my phone or anything but i felt like okay this movie doesn't really grip me as much as i would like it to i'm still watching it but i have a hard time focusing on what it is telling me because it it, it isn't really engaging me into what it wants to tell me and, and I, I didn't really interpret it as much but all the things that David said that you know these are things that I know these are things that I learned at school this is nothing really new to me but the imagery was cool so when whenever there was like the the effects scenes but then also some some edits or, or close-ups I don't know the 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 the, 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 the style of silent cinema close-ups is something that yeah. I really uh, respond to especially I, I we may have watched different versions of the movie um i watched uh, watched it on on youtube with swedish intertitles and german subtitles a very crisp image uh, may have been taken from the criterion again i don't know didn't have the criterion logo in front of it this time um but <laughs> it looked very very good and um so yeah, the, I enjoyed images, but I, it, it, at uh, an hour and forty-five minutes, it was 
pretty long for me. Hmm. Um, let's talk about the the ending and the the relation between how patients were treated in the 1920s um, compared to what Christensen tells us about the the witch hunts and how we interpret what Christensen does in this movie because the way that Dave interpreted it is actually the way that I thought it, it um, was to be interpreted that he says, well, we used to burn them. Now we put them in nice hospitals and we know how to treat these cases of, of hysteria or, or whatever. And I, I had the same reaction as Dave had where I thought to myself, well, a hundred years later... <laughs> uh, this, these these women in their hysteria uh, is, is not really how we talk about that anymore and, and how we hopefully don't treat people anymore and then I read the Wikipedia article and it seemed to me um, that there was another interpretation where it seemed like he was criticizing the way that patients were treated in the 1920s for these these um, cases and mental issues mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if that is something that um, you could or, or maybe maybe David had a different interpretation than, than, than Dave and I had um, so David what 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 do you think about the ending and, and did you read I mean, the, that was the another, article that? Uh, I didn't uh, yeah a, a good chunk of it I didn't read all of it but um, okay. the the one thing I, I thought about a lot too is like okay there are parts of this that feel progressive for its time like it felt like oh this is more progressive than i expected but also i was like i don't i have no idea what the the culture was like at the time in terms of what was maybe this was um not regressive but maybe this was very late to the game of people talking about you know witchcraft and how you know we killed lots of people that were not witches <laughs> and it was this you know awful time or whatever um so I, I don't totally know. I, I guess it's one of those things where I fully admit, like, okay, I don't, they're, they're talking about real world stuff that is then, you know, a hundred years ago. <laughs> so I'm not sure either. I mean, I, I, I wondered about that in terms of like, is this as progressive as I think it is? Or did this come out and everybody was like, yeah, no shit. We shouldn't have killed all those people. We all know mm -hmm. that. Cause it, there's still, it's still been a long time since that had happened. Um, I think, what, what interested me was that it felt like if I was watching this in 1920, this would be like the backslapping point of the movie where it was like, oh, look how far we've come and how much more understanding we are of of the, mm. the things that were once considered witchcraft that we, we now understand are actually potentially illnesses and, and look at how far we've come that we're now treating these poor wretches by putting them into places where they're kept safe. And then there's me 100 years later looking at it thinking... You bitches ain't much better. Uh, you know, like you, you, you're still pretty far behind where you you need to be, um, but also not necessarily looking at that and and judging them harshly because I I think that there there's only the the the, the thing about progress, like, is you can you can come back at something from the future and you can say, oh well, like you know how how awful of them at the time and the thing is is that when someone is learning they only know as much as they already know and what seems cruel to us today might not necessarily and this isn't me defending them this is just me pointing out that you know whenever 
you come at something with more knowledge than the people that you're kind of um, throwing judgment at, uh, the easier it is for you to poo-poo them and to say, oh, well, you know, look at these ignorant people here uh, doing this, that they, they shouldn't do this. It's like, well, they don't necessarily know any better at this point, and that's not defending them, but that's just pointing out that, you know, they've got a long way to go. Those people of 100 years ago were our forebears and, and look where we are 100 years later. So, I don't know, it's an interesting one. I, I, I definitely came at this movie thinking to myself um, that it was kind of funny, the, the irony of it, that I'm watching this movie and and thinking about how they were treating people with quote-unquote hysteria, which is a massively catch-all uh, diagnosis for a whole range of issues um and i think that the director does acknowledge that in a sense in that he says that we've got one actress that's going to be portraying all of these different forms of, of illnesses um but they're all kind of related to each other so he kind of half acknowledges the fact but not necessarily enough that he shows that he actually understands that hysteria is not an illness it's <laughs> it's a catch-all term for a much more complicated range of issues which all need to be treated in different ways um and and yet this movie is looking back on uh the witch hunter trials and the you know uh i mean that I mean, it was you know uh, the the witch finder general in in uh, britain and uh, I think uh, Andy used the term um, inquisitors for German um, kind of witch finders. So we all had different names for them, but they all did the same thing. They all went around pointing fingers and sating the general population's bloodlust by offering up sacrificial lambs that really didn't deserve what they got. Um, and... I don't know where I'm going with this anymore, but, <laughs> but basically all I'm saying is like, you know, I, I think that you can interpret this either way and you're not necessarily wrong because I, I think that there is enough there to argue either. It's definitely very interesting that um, this movie was re-edited in, in several countries and was shortened, um, as it says on Wikipedia. Um, Does it say what in they countries took such off? as Germany, France, and the United States objected to what were considered at that time graphic depictions of torture, nudity, and sexual perversion, as well as anti-clericalism. And I think especially the... The, um, the criticism the dead of baby. the church is something... <laughs> <laughs> Anti-clericalism. I mean, protect your office workers if you want, but... <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> David, I am of an age where I have to embrace the dad uh, yeah, jokes. I, I apologize. I understand. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 okay. Oh, Sorry about Scout that. doesn't like the joke either. I apologize uh, to Scout as well. <laughs> no, I... Uh, no, what was I going to say about the... Uh... Oh, yeah, I would not be surprised. There there was parts of this where I was like, man, I've got to take some video uh, on my phone and send it to my dad to see if he recognizes this. Because I, I would not be shocked if footage from this made its way into a lot of, like, um, <clears throat> Southern Baptist, like, tent revival kind of, like... Uh, let's scare you know everyone into th into the hor like the how awful hell is mm. and 
how horrifying, like, I, I remember my dad telling me about different videos he saw growing up in the 60s and 70s that were, had these sorts of images that scared him really bad as a kid. Um, I, I would not be surprised if a lot of the stuff made it into some of that because it is very, uh, it's very clear. You don't need any uh, narration or, or words to understand that these are devils or, mm. or Satan or, or whatever else. I also imagine that the uh, um, <clears throat> Satan jerking off a butter churn uh, shot probably was cut out in in America. <laughs> when it, was... it cut to him doing that, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like I'm... that's clear a hundred years later. <laughs> I'm absolutely certain that some of this footage found its way into like Metallica videos or something down the line. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, you know, there was an era where it was very popular for them to take like old film footage and like cut it into music videos for no good reason at all. I I got the feeling that there were several scenes in this thing that would work very well in in that style. Jerking I think it's not surprising that this was re-released in the US in 1968 with a narration by William Burroughs. I can absolutely see this as one of those <laughs> yeah. cult movies of the, the counterculture of the American culture, culture of the 1960s. Um, makes makes total sense to me. Also, is it just me that thought that that devil constantly sticking his tongue out and waggling it around was like the most metal thing? That, I, that I've seen in it, some it, it time. Definitely, it definitely reminded me of Tenacious D videos. <laughs> That's what I thought of Dave, too. Dave Grohl <laughs> as the devil. So this can absolutely... Yeah. And Be Benjamin Christensen, the writer-director, played the devil in this movie. So he gave oh, really? that to himself. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, fair play. <laughs> Which I want to know... I, I could probably could have found out if I would have searched more, but I want to know if that was an ego thing. Or if it was the opposite, if it was him being like, I can't ask someone to play the devil, so I'll do it myself. Um, or if this was like a blizzard from the penalty dude, or he was like, finally, I can play Satan, <laughs> like the role I was meant for. My tongue uh, will finally be seen by the world. <laughs> yeah, this thing's just going to be wagging no matter what's going on on screen. Hell yeah. Gene Simmons I also liked how yet. they had... <laughs> yeah, I also liked how he had some sort of... Uh, very very thin material um as his skin over so he his nipples were gone it was very strange like all i thought all of that stuff looked really like you were mentioning the costumes earlier on costume work is um, amazing yeah it looks really good like you can now with the you know clarity of 100 year later um you know technology and, and the prints and everything that we've got mm. uh, even then you have to look pretty close to see like folds and stuff to tell that they're like it, it all looks pretty nice um and also did you guys i did not recognize her in the movie but i recognized her name there was an act the actress who played eat it and phantom carriage was in this oh i didn't i did not know she plays oh, let me look it up i think it's jasper's wife maybe um anyway i recognized her name it, it, mostly because her last name is holm Oh, um, okay. which was his name <laughs> in the movie yeah um so i clicked on her name and yeah she was she was in both so again i guess like the the swedish uh production co-production um i suppose the was... talent pool at that point was quite thin especially in countries like sweden yeah astrid holm she played uh anna wife of jesper the printer Oh, okay. She a, yeah, she was Danish. She was also Danish. Sorry, I said Swedish. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we don't have any Danish or Swedish listeners. 
<laughs> hey, look, the Swedes uh, make right. flat pack furniture and the Danes make superb bacon. Right, there we go. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're okay now. <laughs> They're all happy. I wish I had more to say about the movie. Like, I... I, I think pretty much it, it's very easy to unpack because it's so straightforward. So you're basically just left talking about, um, you know, kind of the pieces separately or what it is overall. And we kind of did both of those things. And I think we're all on the same page that it's, it's, you know, great that it exists, that it happened. You can see the influence clearly um, on, on plenty of things. And there's a lot of, you know, sinister imagery and stuff that was very ahead of its time um, from a horror perspective. But beyond that, you don't really have to discuss like themes or, you know, actors or um, I, there was one moment where I don't, uh, there was part of me that was like, am I giving this too much credit? Uh, but I did wonder, uh, you talked about that cross dissolve um, sort of double exposure shot, uh, Dave, with the dude getting flagellated. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was an acting thing of the time, but he looked like he was kind of into it. Like his, yeah. he didn't really have a, to me, it was closer to a pleasure face than it was a pain one or something in between. So there was part of me that was like, is this, is this, uh, supposed to be saying something here Possibly. with, you know, how kind of twisted it was. But then also I was like, I have no idea. Like, am I applying 100 year later <laughs> lens <laughs> to something that at the time was not you know, intentional and cause you, you see that too, like acting styles of the times, a lot of, a lot of the time it's just feels very foreign because it was different. Um, so mm. might've just been that. Yeah, it could have been, but I, I think that there, there is something to that. Um, I don't know when someone first said that pleasure and pain are quite, you know, close together on, on the emotion wheel, but uh, I'm hoping it was sometime before this because that that would make a lot of sense. Like I definitely got the feeling that he wasn't just like you know in pain. There was it was a weird kind of an ecstasy, especially with the close, yeah, the like, close up yeah. of his face in between. I don't know if it would necessarily be described as like a sexual ecstasy or if it was almost like through his pain he felt like he was getting closer to God or or he was becoming more virtuous again and. Somehow, trying that, to quote Nine Inch Nail songs at me right now, Dave. I, I couldn't quote a Nine Inch Nail song. <laughs> you, to you, you did pretty well too. Well, uh, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I. It made me feel uncomfortable, but not because he was in pain. If that mm. makes sense, I, yeah. I think that was why it stood out to me because it was a. I, it was a. Stri there was clearly some choices being made in how they they portrayed that on screen. Mm. Um. But I didn't have a visceral thing of like, oh, that really hurts him. I was just like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> like, what's <laughs> what's going on here? What sort of uh, unexplored depths are, are we just hinting at in this in this moment? I also, I don't think it was meant to be um, sarcastic. But the one line, without just saying "don't be a woman," back in the day, the line is like, you know, it was bad to be old and ugly. But also, it was pretty bad to be young and pretty, too. <laughs> like, it was just, okay, basically, you're saying, don't be a woman back then. Like, you're just yeah. covering every single every single thing without saying that. I mean, I, either um, that or try to be old and pretty or young and ugly. And you'll probably be yeah. okay. Oh, and don't have feet because apparently witches can bewitch your feet. Um. <laughs> yeah, I dug, I dug a lot of that stuff. Like, I, I thought about that. It's like, if you took all of the horror stuff out of this... Um, 
and just presented it as one sort of thing, mm. it, it would it would instantly be and feel so different. Um, which is not me saying, and that's what they should have done by any means. It's just, I guess, more testament to the very sort of strange dichotomy at play here with the things that are happening in this, but then put all together, you wouldn't be like, you got to watch this like scary 100 year horror movie. Um, Hmm. but you would be like, Hey, this is a 100 year old documentary about witches. Also, you're going to see a Satan jerk off a butter churn. Like, there's going to be stuff you're probably not expecting to see in a documentary from 100 years ago. I mean, they should have led so, with that, right? Yeah, just make it the opening credits, uh, just all of it. You know, like cows um, aren't the only things that you can milk in the butter making process. Or something <laughs> like true. that. I don't know. Like, it's got to be I did something. come up with, uh, uh, unless you guys have any other huge thoughts on this one, I did have a, uh, a double feature pick that I was happy with. Uh, no, I'm happy go to go. Okay. Um, the uh, uh, I almost said the Devil's Zone. Isn't that a Harrison Ford movie with Brad Pitt? Uh, the Devil's um, no, not the Devil's Reject. Lords of Salem. Good lord, I couldn't remember the name of it. Lords of Salem. Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem. There was a similar thing in that movie that I enjoyed, which was this sort of like mm. um, modern kind of grungy lens, but then using very old, archaic, um, old school. Uh, sort of, you know, witchcraft imagery and stuff like that. And then at the end, it goes kind of off the rails with a blend of the two using a lot of, you know, iconography from Catholicism and mixing that with, like, obscene stuff. And um, I don't know. That's that's always been my favorite Rob Zombie movie for some reason. I probably should rewatch it again. It's been a while. But there was something about that movie that always stuck with me. And I, I don't know. It almost felt like if you took Rob Zombie out of it and then um, made it a hundred years ago. Maybe you could have something like Haxon. <laughs> I don't know. That was my thought. Um, Andy, I'm going to guess you've got one. What you, what you pick? Yeah, I picked the movie, the witch, not only because Hexon means the witch, but I thought, well, Hexon is a like a docudrama. It's not really a documentary because these are just recreations of, of of scenes or even invented scenes to to yeah lend imagery to something that Benjamin Christian had read about and, and wanted to say. And The Witch, of course, is a fictional movie and has more of a of a of a narrative and an arc and everything. But then um, it uses the language of the time that the story is set in so it does employ a bit of a like a not really a documentary element to it but to to the audience it is something that Mm -hmm. we were absolutely not used to and it it helps transport you into the 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 era into the the minds and into the to life of the whenever that was the 1800s or so um and so I think that was a very um, interesting thing that the movie did, and yeah, so the uh, different approach than than Hexon, but still uh, like a, a bit of that that documentary flavor thrown into a witch movie. There's also I won't <clears throat> spoil the ending of the witch in case anyone hasn't seen it, but. Uh, the ending of the film is in Haxon, basically. There's a, a segment where he describes yeah. uh, something going on, and it's it's the ending of, of The Witch from uh, 
our times whenever it came out. 2019? Maybe. I don't know. I was just kind of asking out loud. You didn't have to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. Let's look up how long it is. (laughs) Dave. Yes. What's your pick? I thought you were going to ask me how long the film was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, I'm I'm going to go for my favorite uh, Three Musketeers movie, um, which is The Devils from 1971. You may ask, Dave, that's not a Three Musketeers movie. Um, well, Cardinal Richelieu is in it, so if he's in it, then by extension, The Three Musketeers should be as well. Um, so yeah, The Devils is a 1971 movie. It's directed by Ken Russell. Uh, it's a very, very controversial movie because of the uh, amount of sexual content in it, as well as the uh, the nature of that content. Um, starring Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave, I've seen it once and once only. Um, I think once was enough. Uh, it's a very very good film though it's it is absolutely mad as a box of frogs um it's very difficult to find the director's cut version so most people are going to have to just slum it with the uh redacted version but even that one has got an awful lot of uh, imagery the reason that i've picked this specifically is because i suspect although i didn't double check to be sure that the scenes from the uh from the nunnery in uh Haxan may actually have been inspired by the uh the Loudon, um incident in France, which is where the devils is set and, and what it's based on as well. Um a convent full of nuns get uh possessed by demons, they have a lot of sex, and uh at some point uh Oliver Reed gets to have sex with them as well. That's basically the film. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, it's more. I would love it if that was the pitch line of the movie. <laughs> I mean, a I'm bunch of nuns sure. get possessed. They have a bunch of sex. They, and Oliver Reed gets to have sex with them as well. First, Rated first, R. Of, first of all, the devil's in them. Then so is Oliver Reed. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit more complicated than that. But um, I, the moment that they showed that first scene in the nunnery, I thought to myself, oh, I know exactly what this is referring to because I knew that the devils was also based on a true life story. Um, and that's the possessions of, of Ludon. Um, so there we go. That's going to be my pick. Also nice. 111 minutes. Uh, the witch the an hour and 32 from 2015. Uh, 2015. Thank you. Next week we are Salem talking really about, quick. Oh yeah. Sorry. What'd you say about Lord of Salem? Yeah, uh, an hour and 41. I, I think we've determined that it's an hour 40. Like, that's been the average. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but, like, The Devils is clearly the better movie because it's half an hour shorter. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next week it's um, our final entry into Silent March with A Page of Madness from 1926, a Japanese movie that I know very little about that came up in my research in preparation for this series. And I'm very, very curious for this one. I'm looking forward to discussing it with you gents. And yeah, we already have an email from Elio that we will read to you next week about Page of Madness and Silent March. And of course, I want all of you want to invite all of you to write in your thoughts on this series or on any 
specific silent movies that we watched or that we didn't watch, or at least that we didn't talk about on the show. We already determined that we haven't seen Carl Theodreyer's Vampire. Maybe we should do an episode on that one. Anyway, thanks, gents. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Come back next week for a page of madness. Until then, bye-bye. Slut. This has been a production of FanOff.com. And that's perfect.